Attention in the pits. Attention in the pits. Show number 43. Who's going to run a KTM, right? We've been asking that for a couple weeks. there to kind of liaise with riders and teams and what that basically means is he's being put in the middle welcome everybody to the car on two wheels podcast i'm your host chris Carr. show number 43 joining me mr chris carter how That's are me. you sir i'm good how are you I'm doing just fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, no complaints. Yeah. So show 43. Name your 43s that you know. Well, the first one I got to throw out there is Mr. Scotty Dubler. That's the most obvious one to me. Uh, yeah. But before he ran that 43, or after he ran that 43, I think Sammy Halbert ran it, right? He ran it at one time, yes. Yep. Was it a Joe Cop number at one point, too? Yes, it was. Those are the only three that I know. Is there any more that I should know? Well, yeah, the current rider. Rispoli. Rispoli. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you're right. You're <laughs> right. I did know that fourth one. You're right. Um, and that's still up in the air. I don't know. Last time we talked, we were kind of figuring, trying to figure out what the hell he had going on. I, I should have got my book out and done a little research. There might have been a couple more. There might have been a few from the 90s. But I, I, I know that... Uh, Pre-Joe Cop. Pre-Joe Cop, yeah. So we were wondering yeah. what the hell Rispoli's got going on. And as soon, as soon as we got off of recording our episode, guess who made a social post about what he's got going on? James Rispoli. James Rispoli. And, but it wasn't flat track related. It said he's going into the world of uh, selling houses. He's going to be a realtor. So I was wondering... Um, if he was up in North Florida in Callahan checking out local listings, he possibly might for sale. He was definitely riding too, and I don't think his flat track career is over. He's not hanging up the steel shoe. He's not saying he's not retiring, but the announcement that came out was more of the fact that he's going to be getting into some real estate. So, might be dip, well, double dipping in some real estate and some flat tracking. So, there you go. Well, I, I'll say this, you know. Whether he races or not, I believe he'll be successful in the real estate world. Yep. Um, the guy's got a pretty, pretty keen sense of business. Yeah, he's always shown that throughout his professional career. Absolutely. And uh, I got to think that after a year like last year, <laughs> uh, looking at what he made the year prior to that, running Production Twins, and then what he brought in revenue-wise uh, as a, as a, you know. A, 10th place guy nearly yeah. every week. Um, yeah, it was, pro it was probably a, a good move to work on plan B and uh, or come up with a new plan A and use exactly. flat track as a plan B yeah. until he feels like it's not worth it anymore. Not a bad so, deal. And he's done a lot of different things on a lot of different kinds of motorcycles. So, I mean, he's he's uh, he's won championships across the pond, right, here in the United States. So, um I mean, yeah. when, when you've done all that, it might be time to on come On dirt, up. on pavement. Yeah. On dirt, on pavement, on all of it. So, I mean, yeah. So, uh, yeah. nothing wrong with coming up with a, with a retirement plan and uh, looking ahead for sure. And I uh, wish him the best of luck with whatever the hell he's got going on in 2022 for sure. 
Yeah, and and it was interesting you say that because that came out like right after uh, or while probably while we were uh, recording last like week's as show. As soon as we hit stop on our record, yeah. You know, because you know we're we're recording this. This is January twelfth. It's yep. Wednesday night. Yep. And uh, I think while we were recording, uh, uh, Wally Brown Racing made a made a an announcement too for the twin, which man. answers the question. Who's going to run a KTM, right? We've been yeah. asking that for a couple of weeks, we, uh, and yeah. we got an answer while we record. We recorded last week, so I think it's pretty cool that uh, you know they got they got somebody picked out to do it. Um, I think the press release I've got it here, but I'm not going to read it all. Said they're going to focus on production twins, yep. which I think we thought was probably the most prudent route for anybody coming yeah. out with a new machine. Yeah. Uh, especially under the new rules, um, see how it goes. And if they perform well, then they can see how they stack up against uh, the Super Twins competition. Yeah, the one uh, thing all that on it did, the same night. One thing it didn't include was who the hell's going to be riding that damn thing. So, I mean. Well, that gives us an opportunity to speculate. Then, absolutely does. It? Who do you think would ride, should ride it? I don't know. I, a lot of people say the obvious. Oh, come on. I'm not going to let you off that easy. I know. A lot of people say the obvious choice is Chad Coase, but I don't think it's that obvious a choice. Um, I mean, he's ridden for Wally Brown, yes. Um, but on a Suzuki in the 450 class, he's a proven t- twins rider, right? He can ride the production twins. He's won in that class multiple times. Um, but I don't. I think there's a lot of other options. I mean, uh, and we even threw out a couple uh, just BSing back and forth. I, I think uh, I think Trent Lowe, I mean, he rode some twins toward the end of last year. He's not completely out of the question, even though he's, you know, some would argue he's not a proven 450 rider. I mean, I, I think he's he's held his own in that class. And he ran some non-nationals towards the end of the year on a twin and was able to rip that, rip that twin around the track pretty quick. So I don't think he's going to be the guy, um, but, I mean, he could be in the running. The one that I well, thinking. I looked. I looked at. I looked at. You know, it made sense to me just initially because the week before that they had the G and G Yamaha press release that came exactly. out, right? Yep. But it didn't really state that Corey Texter was going to ride it. It did not. Right. It did not. No, you know and that too. He's yeah. the defending champion in the class. Yep. And I thought, huh? I wonder. You know that maybe there's something there. Yeah. Until I got a call from him, and he said, "Nah, I'm going back with G and G." Well, see, I you guess would know that then. That's about I mean, the time I, this show come. About the time this show hits the major airwaves. Yep. Uh, um, it will. Uh, it, it may. It may be announced. I think at the end of this week that uh, they're returning together to defend their production twins championship, and uh, I, th- I think they're non-committal on the whole missions challenge thing. So gotcha. It'd be interesting to see how that shakes out. Absolutely. Well, and it was fun to speculate for sure because I did notice the exact same thing. They didn't have Corey in that press release. And I was like, hmm, that could be interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we've been, we mentioned Rispoli. I think Rispoli could be a name thrown in the hat to, to ride that motorcycle. Um, he's not going to be on with latest like he was last year. We already know that unless he's going to be Bronson's teammate, which I don't know if they're going to field two bikes. I, I doubt that, but it could be. They haven't announced well, it. you would you would have thought that there would have been some sort of indication of that when latest put their press release out. Correct over yeah. the holidays. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, about James is, and certainly with 
with uh, there being fuel injection and essentially the KTM 890s come stock with some some form of OEM based traction control. Yeah. And there's no there's no broad uh, you know there's nothing designated you know by by AFT that you have to run this type of traction control right. whatever the bike comes with they can utilize it. And being a rider that came from the road race uh, um, community, especially over in Europe, I got a feeling that, that James would bring to, bring to the team uh, a level of rider-based read on the, on the, the data yeah. that's produced. So that might be a good choice. Yeah. And if that's the case and there's, it's worth it for him to do it, I mean... KTM has posted contingency and AFT for this year. Yep. Um, it's not, you know, not at the level that what he was racing for last year on a Harley, at least in production twins, it isn't. Um, but it, it is something. So I guess a lot depends on, on who Wally Brown Racing finds to do it. I got another crazy speculation. So uh, it was just announced uh, not too long ago that, that Cody is going to be running the 450. So... What if I threw this one out there that old Joe Cops got to hop back on and come out of retirement and be in the production class on that new KTM? Well, there you go. <laughs> Why not? He's written a lot of he's written a, a very broad uh, base of bikes in his 100%. time. He's been on the Triumphs. Yeah. He's been on Ducati 1100s. First he's guy been to ride on, the Indian. Uh, first guy that wrote raced the Indian. Raced the Indian. So yeah, yeah I would I would say uh, that's not a bad choice, even at age what what's he fifty two now? Seventy four, I think these days. <laughs> well, he was he's younger than when uh, Ronnie Jones made his comeback four or five years ago, and he could still so. put it in the main, right? I I even think he might even. Well, you could. I could have put it in the main last year. You absolutely could have. Right. <laughs> Anybody could have. I could have made every main event last what, year. I mean, I think he would even be in the uh, top four there and maybe even get into a Super Twins main uh, if he got yeah. in there. I mean, I think it's not beyond the realm of possibility. And uh, I don't know, man. It, it, you know what's crazy, too, is is there's some Super Twins riders that might even ride production Twins this year just to do that, right? Like, uh, I could see that being a thing, too, because there's a lot of Super Twins riders that haven't been announced yet, too. So... If that's where the future of flat track is going to be, they you know there's been hints at that they're going to combine those top two twins classes. If I'm a super twins rider, why not? Right? Like if I'm yeah. kind of middle pack guy, why not? Well, the thing the thing I see though is, in order to do that, you actually got to come up with equipment to do it because they can't get off their mid pack Indian and go ride production twins. You're right. That makes sense. So they yeah. got to they got to build and develop their own platform. Yeah. Whether it's a, a KTM 790 or 890, which by the way both models are available or uh, eligible for contingency. Okay. Um, in in production twins and super twins, so it, it'll be pretty interesting to see if you know people go, wow, this 34 millimeter restrictors and rev limits, and I got to come up with a lighter set of wheels now yeah. in order to continue to race my Indy, and they go. Well, why why don't why don't I just build something that's that could be sustainable for the next three or four years? Yeah. Because if the Indians go out and I, you know, think they're going to be pretty strong, they go out and still fill up the podiums uh, most every week. 
then uh, what next? I don't, I don't know. know. We'll yeah. see. So when we when we were talking before the show, we were going to start with Anaheim one. <laughs> so that's how it goes here at the Car on Two Wheels podcast. We we have a plan and then we don't stick to I, it. I don't mind the detours we just took though. Good conversation for sure. That was a, that was, that was a good good detour. Yeah. Anaheim one Supercross. There was a crap load of hype. Yes. I see you rubbing your hands. Um, be honest with you, my, I just I was unfulfilled and disappointed after yeah. Anaheim won. Well, yeah. and it's not to take away great performance by Ken Roxon uh, and defending champion uh, Cooper Webb. Those guys rode with a 17 race series strategy one of them roxon got a great start got out front yeah and beat the racetrack yeah all right webb um didn't get a great start he's like maybe six seventh he might have been as far back as eighth or ninth at one time but he made his way forward based on a bunch of guys going out there and you know knocking each other down I didn't see much in the way of racing. I saw a bunch of chicken shit passes. Yeah. Or, uh, no, you're not going to pass me clean. I'm going to take you out dirty type of thing. Exactly. And I was I was kind of disappointed. I didn't see any real racing in yeah. either class. Not, no knockdown, drag out, uh, you know, multiple lines. I think... The track deteriorated to such a point where guys were trying to survive, and uh, uh, I hadn't seen that much carnage through the whoops in a while. Um, Those were some serious it, whoops that caused a lot of headaches for most of the riders, man. At some point or another yeah, throughout yeah. the night. But uh, what's uh, what's what's your take on on Anaheim? So I gotta say, well, I. I I agree with just about everything you said there. And, you know, for somebody who's been in two wheels, I think this is my sixth, sixth year now, six years. Um, and I've, I've heard since I've been here, like, this is the series. You got to watch Supercross. And I, I don't know how, but I've put off watching an event up until a one this year. And I like you, as you know, as, as others know, I, I've been working on the outdoor moto stuff for a while. So it's kind of similar. Right. And I heard it's the same, same players in that. Um, there were a couple new players that I'd never seen here, uh, that, but I've heard that's also the way, right? There's some people that just do awesome in Supercross and don't even bother with the outdoor stuff. Um, I, it just doesn't do anything for me, man. And I don't know how else to explain this other than it's tough for me to follow. I mean, the, the I don't know how the hell the directors do it. I don't know how the, how a director cuts this show. Um, it's a tighter, uh, track than the outdoor stuff for sure. So it's a little easier, I think. Um, but like. I don't know, like to the point you made, I, I've never thought that there's any racing in motocross. And to me, man, I don't know if it's because I had came up from NASCAR, like going, like I enjoy the side by side, multi, like multiple people in a, in a, going for a, a position at the same time. Like you don't see that in supercross. Now I, I give these guys all the credit in the world, the endurance, the skill, the talent it takes to do what they're doing yep. on motorcycles unmatched in the world. Like nobody's going to take that from them. But for as far as racing is concerned, I, 
I'll take flat track any day. You give me whatever was going down there at Throwdown, and we'll get to that in a bit because I'm sure there's there's a couple things we want to hit on there. I heard the racing. I didn't see it with my own eyes, but I've heard the racing. I mean, I was there before. I've seen Callahan. I know you could ride two, three wide there on a short track. And that, I mean, Lima. You give me any. You give me any flat track race. There's gonna, there's going to be racing the entire. I mean, somebody might pull out and get away from the. But there's racing in the back of the pack, like. And I don't know, man. I'm not going to say it's not racing in, in motocross because it is. It's just not the racing I'm in. I'm into, man. It's not why I'm there to watch motorcycles race. Like, um, again, like it, it was it was entertaining as hell. Like, yes. Uh, is it is yeah. it cool? I mean, they packed that house out. They're doing something right. Yeah. Right. So like you can't. And the, the pomp and pageantry that they've got going on from the fireworks to the the pre-show stuff. And I gotta I gotta stop for a second and say this because uh, Kristen Beat crushed it. I I gotta give her all the props in the world. I'm so, I was so proud. I don't think I've had more excitement for an announcer covering a race. Uh, it's cool to see her what she's done coming from the flat track world, and then just going on that stage and just owning that pre race show. Man, I think she did a hell of a job. Um, and and kudos to her for for what she's what she's able to do, not just in the flat track world, but there over a motocross and she's probably even going to be, do, be doing even more and bigger things down the road. Cause she's got skills for sure. So that was cool to see. Um, but yeah, dude, like, I don't know. I'm probably going to catch a lot of hate for this too. I, I just, I, I'd pick flat track over, over this stuff any day. And, and I'm, I don't know if I'm just crazy for that, for saying that out loud, but that's, that's how I feel, man. Like it's, it's more exciting. It's better racing. And uh, the guys, I think, have bigger balls doing this. I mean, there's some big balls on the guys doing the, that motocross stuff, but I don't know. It's just different for me, and I'd, I'd choose flat track any day over it. Well, I couldn't say that any better. Um, so that's Anaheim. But th- <laughs> you don't want to were... talk about anything else? Well, I mean, yeah, I could go through. and You know, I saw, I saw when uh, Barsha – nerfed somebody to the ground yeah when they try oh it was jason anderson anderson yeah uh, who was moving forward trying to trying to get uh get by barsha clean and barsha did one of them you know stuff return jobs planted him uh moose can uh marvin moose can came in on um, uh, malcolm stewart yeah and then they both went down moose can got up and ended up getting fourth um Sexton had a real good ride, had a couple mistakes. Yeah, one it wasn't, being through the whoops. It wasn't for the mistakes he made himself. I think he'd be up there too. And then, I mean, yeah, that's awesome he, for he ended talent. up fifth. Tomac on the Yamaha was kind of disappointing. Uh, I think, I think he would. He's probably disappointed too. Yeah. Um, Savachi, I mean, he would kind of mu- pretty much. He was up there a little bit early, faded. Uh, Plessinger in his KTM debut finished ninth. Um, I think the only thing that really stood out to me in the in like the 250 class was well one Jet Lawrence is now going to go to the East. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the East is probably going to be pretty stacked in the 250 class. Oh yeah, uh, with him coming there, uh, being injured, uh, yep. and then uh, the number 32. I don't even remember his name. Uh, uh, kind of an older kid that uh, got hurt and he's out for. The entire Supercross season, Cooper—that's his last name, Justin, Justin Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, yeah, he—he's out. I think the 250 East will probably be a little bit more compelling. What I found uh, interesting is you had uh, 
a veteran uh, 450 class rider and Vince Freeze dropped down to ride the 250 West. Yeah. And just like he did in uh, 450 class, he got a great start. Uh, only he faded to fifth in the 250 class into, instead of maybe 10th, 9th or 10th or 12th, yeah. like he would normally do in the, in the, in the 450 class. So um, I guess I don't know what it pays for fifth in the 250 class versus 10th in the 450, but no clue. You know, maybe it was a good move. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, he, he, went, he went real good early and uh, faded. And then yeah. I, think the, I think the race was over when uh, Colt Nichols hurt himself in his heat race. He's out, yep. I think. Um, that, that 250 West Championship uh, pretty much looks like it's all for, for the guy that won. Yep, and I'm going to say guy because he's like in his early 30s. He's right, up there, yeah. But class. I mean, it, I think it was, he, it was something he, when he was on the podium. He said when he was a young kid, he was he always wanted to win A1. So it was, it was always cool to see those people that have those dreams as a kid make that pro level and, and get those wins that they've always wanted since they were little. Um, but yeah, that was yeah. good stuff. Um, but yeah, Oh, yeah. Christian Craig, that's who it was. His yeah. name popped back in my head. But I think he punted somebody as well to take the lead, and that race was over pretty yeah. much from that point on. Yeah. So as you can tell, I'm not a big fan of the the punt jobs in the bull turns or it's whatever. not racing, man. Either either pass. I, I don't mind. Don't I don't mind good racing as long as the guys stay upright. And yep. even you know, even when you know you got some block passing going on, yeah. as long as the guy you're block passing uh, has an out, you know. Uh, but. If he's left with the only thing he can do now is that you parked me and the only way I can do is turn down the bull turn into yep. your back wheel and tip over, well, then to me, that's that's just chicken shit. Yeah. It's not racing. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't that's know if that was just like a, a result of what, you know, having that tighter track, if that's what they usually do in Supercross, but, you know, talking to a couple people. That's how, they, that's how most of the passing is, usually. Yeah. I got you. You know, I, I'd rather see a guy blitz the whoops to go by somebody than it than uh, some slide job or, uh, in the case, uh, block pass up into a 180-degree bull turn yeah. or go and stop right in front of a guy, pinch him between the, the, the tough blocks and the first whoop, and then he's got nowhere to go. Right. Which we saw happen to Hunter Lawrence uh, along the way. Yeah. So, uh, he actually got back I, there, up there on the podium, though. That was pretty cool towards the end. He, he barely made that podium spot, but good for him to get back on, yeah. the, on the podium after all that. But, yeah, man, it looks like uh, I was looking at the schedule, too, man. They, they've got a what pretty long schedule, too. So I look, look forward to seeing that. 17 races in 18 weeks. Yeah, looks forward to seeing that play out over the next uh, three months or however many months that is. It's a lot more than three months. but Four months, four and a half, yeah. Yeah, look forward to seeing it. I don't know if I'm going to catch every single one because... I don't know, but I mean, I got I got that Peacock subscription now, so why not make it make make my, get my money's worth? So we'll see. There you go, there you go. So, moving on, winner throwdown. Yes. What what's what's the vibe that you got out of out of winner throwdown? A lot of people. Um, yes. A good amount. Agreed. I think there were like seven hundred thirty some entries or seven hundred seven hundred and sixty seven entries that's over crazy. two nights. I mean, some people rode other classes, right? So that's that's. But I gotta say, a hundred of those entries were uh, Robbie McClendon. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> Robbie Bobby, I think, raced a hundred different classes over two nights. 
Yeah, well, I think somebody made some bet with him that he wouldn't win one, and so he entered every damn class he could to try to win one. And I think he won. He won some of it. Uh, he won something, I, I think. I think he won something on the first night. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't follow too closely. I didn't go out there. So, but uh, I mean, you couldn't help but uh, hear from it, hear about it on social media. It was everywhere. Um, Briarbaum made it down. Jared Mees was there. There were a lot of pros. JD Beach. Um, a lot of the pros showed up, and. Uh, from what I understood, man, there was a lot of good racing. Um, I, they made it a cushion, from what I understood. Uh, so there was a little bit more track maintenance involved than there would be if it wasn't a cushion. But I mean, I mean, when you have that many people on a track, man, you have to you have to um, take care of it a little bit more than you probably would. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I think uh, I think if there was any one complaint uh, I heard about the track was that it was uh, a little rough. Yeah. You know. It, uh, I, I caught a couple little video clips and it looked like they had it developed some chatter bumps going off into turn one, yeah. which uh, if you were on one of the, one of the few twins that were raced would uh, put you up in the saddle pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that, especially on night two, night one wasn't quite as bad as far as that's concerned. Um, but certainly uh, Jared Meese had no problem. Uh, I think he had, you know, had a tougher time uh, against, uh, um, young upstart uh, Tyler Scott. Tyler Scott. Sorry, yeah. my my mind was it's all good. I was think he, searching yeah, I think for his name more, there. He had more trouble with the with with that young buck than uh, than he did the rough track. I'm sure. I've heard some. Yeah. I heard that was pretty close racing there. Some pretty close racing and uh, aggressive racing. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I I heard some of the whispers that you know he didn't make too many friends down there. Not that. That's what he went down there to do. No, um, but it, it is uh, kind of a pretty auspicious way to make your, uh, for a lack of a better term, I don't even know if it's his official pro debut. Yeah, it's a it was an AMA sanctioned event, um, and there was some money being paid in a couple of classes. So maybe it maybe it's semi pro, but he was up against a lot of professional riders. Do you? Uh, um, do you he think certainly looked good. Do you think that Jared Meese pulled off and had a, a Hank Scott Chris Carr conversation with uh, with Tyler there? <laughs> no, no. But I think uh, I think there were there might have been some other riders that had a few words with him. I got gotcha. you. I hear you. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know that anybody uh, made a dent in uh, in in him. You know, so it's hard to say. I I personally love it. I love it when when a young. I mean, you actually have you absolutely have to be respectful of the veterans that have been doing it forever. You don't want to ride it. I, I never want to see rough riding just for rough riding sakes. Uh, but I do like a young up and comer putting it in there and trying to hold his own with uh, some of the best in the world. Uh, I think that's yeah. kind of cool. Uh, and you don't want to see him back off. So I think I think go for it. But uh, yeah, you need to show respect when <laughs> when it's when it's time. But uh, yeah. don't be afraid to put a nose in there if you're young. Uh, you, you, some of those young guys can hang just as much, especially on the smaller short tracks like that with a with it set up the way it was. So. Um, but yeah, I heard uh, Dalton Gautier, uh, who got the win the second night, came from like the back row to do that, which I wish it had been. I would have been there to see that for sure. Cause, uh, but that was fun to watch. He was like on the back row, of apparently starting that last main. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, the one that he won, if he started on the back row, he might have started on the back row. Uh, one of them, Trevor Bruner won the other class that night. That was yeah. also. Uh, you know, I think that was the 450 expert. Yep. Uh, Briar Bauman rode both nights. Jared Meese rode on on Friday night and then left. Um, called it good for the weekend. Um, 
saw that the Stenson Yamaha boys were there. Trevor Bruner getting one of the wins on Saturday night uh, yep. in his first weekend racing the Yamahas, which I think was uh, probably a way for him to go. I did the right thing, you know. Yep. <laughs> I think anytime you leave a, you know, a top program like the Turner team has become yeah. pretty quickly and go to another top team, you always always going well did i do the right thing or not and yeah. uh it appears as at least as of right now that that was a good move not only for estenson but certainly for trevor bruner um and uh satoff had some decent runs and uh his first races against a, a fuller field of professionals yeah um Mishler had one decent result i think over the think course so. of the four races uh cody cop um third through fifth i think most of the most of the weekend yeah um so good good runs for him um so I, n nothing really surprised me no i think um, fast guys went fast um i'm not surprised that uh tyler scott um you know some people were calling him a road racer people don't realize tyler scott was a flat tracker before he was a road racer yeah it's just that from about the age of you know, 13, 14, 15, we haven't seen him much exactly. in flat track because he was over in Europe for a year or in Spain running the Spanish Cup Series over there on 125s or whatever they're running over there. So uh, um, he had some, he had, he certainly showed some speed yeah. and uh, served notice to the AFT singles class that, hey, I'm here. You're going to have to deal with me. Well the, well, the one point I made before that, uh, and I don't know if this is something that's always happened, but based on the conversations I've had about like how it's been in the past, you know, decade in the sport, when when a rider would go road racing, you didn't see him again towards the till like towards the end of their career, right? So and Tyler Scott's coming back and racing some dirt track, you know, before he's like a, a up, you know, a, a set rider. So um, I, I don't know if that's just the evolution of the sport, how far you know the dirt tracks come along in such a short amount of time, or. But he's not the only one, right? Dallas Daniels is uh is has come back and is racing dirt track now and dedicated to flat track. Um, JD Beach is riding full season, so like, um, I think that's just kind of yeah. a sign, sign of the times and a good sign for dirt track that that. Well, that it, it's going to be interesting to see if if Tyler Scott gets put in the position that pretty much Dallas Daniels was put in, a position of hey, you got to pick one or the other. You can't do both, right? Or is he going to allow uh, set himself up to where? Uh, he goes, all right, uh, if, if it's on the same weekend, I'm going here. Yep. Like Daniels did, says, I'm going dirt track. Yeah. And then the road race program kind of dried up for him. If that's going to happen with Tyler Scott, remains to be seen. You know, he, he won the junior cup class last year in Moto America. Yeah. Uh, pretty much dominated all year long. Um, I couldn't tell what bike he was riding. It was probably a white KTM. Uh, I'd maybe look at the results here, and it'll tell me. <laughs> yeah, and I think he turned 16 so before the season starts, which may, which means he could ride a full season with flat track if he wanted to, right, if, if he's 16. so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was on a KTM. So. There you go. But it doesn't look like he has any official affiliation with anybody right now, at least on the flat track side. Um, yeah, no, I don't I know that he's that, riding that he for is. a particular team or if he's even going to do it. Maybe yeah. that was just a way for him to go do some racing and then he's going to go do road race all year. We don't know. Yeah. Haven't, haven't seen much 
on the Tyler Scott front. I believe he's 16 now. Or if not, he'll be 16 before uh, Daytona gets going. Um, so who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's a uh, he definitely uh, definitely turned some heads. I think in, at Callahan, and and that is shaping up to be the kickoff to uh, to the new seasons here uh, because it's you know the first everybody's kind of coming out of their slumber from the holidays. It's the first event um, that kind of kickstart a lot of things uh, for the upcoming season. So um, it's kind of crazy though because I was looking at schedules like I don't really see anything as far as flat track racing for the next month, which is kind of nuts. I can't believe that. I mean. Obviously, you're not going to have it up north unless it's indoors somewhere. Um, but I can't believe there's not more more flat track racing between now and the start of the season. Well, I, I, I've always thought that, um, I mean, you look look at the event that Johnny Lewis ran in November. Maybe running one of them in February would be pretty, um, yeah. an indoor winter series winter indoor series i mean i know ducoin uh steve nace and them used to used to run a lot of races there i think there's some issues with covid in that area at least with the they were supposed to do something over new year's yep. and a lot of the workers at the fairgrounds that worked the place got caught covid so yeah. that kind of put a damper on uh on the winter indoor series uh i i think you know if if we can get to an endemic phase <laughs> Where we get to the end, or at least some semblance of an end, That's me that maybe uh, if the sport keeps uh, keeps doing some good things like we're seeing of late, yeah. that maybe maybe a, a, an indoor type series might be something that's uh, that could work possibly in the, in the near future. That'd be cool to see, we'll see. for sure. So Briar Bauman ran number three for the first time. He did. I, he didn't I'm have any say. great results. I gotta say, seeing it say? on the bike with him racing, it looked pretty damn cool. I do like the font he's chosen; like it's a unique uh, three that I don't think anybody will ever ride again. I mean, it's it's pretty unique to him, and that's what he wanted, right? He wanted to stand out and kind of have his own unique look, and it looks pretty damn cool. I love it. Yeah, it looks that three is slanted in the right direction. It looks like it's going fast. Yep, I dig it. Next topic, then we got to go into the. the press releases that came out yesterday flying brian smith uh joining the 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 team there at aft as yeah. uh, what do they call him director of industry relations that sounds pretty damn important is it important or is it is it broad or yes. just vague enough <laughs> for them because they talk about all the things that he's gonna do <laughs> i'm like Wow, that's a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. Uh, it's going to support all aspects of the competition department, including managing rider and team relationships, new rider evaluation, track prep, safety, and rules development. He's also going to be available to be, uh, in their words, elite caliber test rider, which is pretty accurate. Yeah. And whether or not they got to fine-tune the rule book or – assess the viability of potential new venues yeah that's pretty pretty deep it is i think one of the it was described in one of the there's a couple different press releases that came out that that he's there to kind of liaise um with riders and teams and what that may basically means is he's being put in the middle yeah. <laughs> between aft even though AFT is putting him in the middle of them and and the riders and the teams, and right. he's kind of a go between, 
And what that also means is that he becomes a, a essentially a lobbyist for AFT when it comes to dealing with the paddock in trying to move the sport forward in the way that AFT sees fit. Yeah. And um, I think having somebody that speaks the same language as the members of the paddock is an important thing. I'm not criticizing this move whatsoever. Yeah. I think it's been – they haven't had somebody in – at AFT since I left at the end of 2018 that uh, um, has been there to help smooth out the edges. Yep. And having somebody with a vast uh, experience and, a, and, a, and a, you know, a Hall of Fame recognizable career as Brian Smith has, yeah. uh, having somebody there on AFT staff I think is, is going to benefit AFT and it'll benefit the, the the flat track community as a whole. So I I, I applaud them making this uh, making this move. Yeah, it's been too long. I, th- I think it's it really a, I think it's a great move as well. Um, and it's one of the things that I would always say when I, when even when you were there, man, it's always good to have uh, a former racer, a former champion, uh, in those circles, having those conversations with with uh, with those executives when they're making decisions uh, on the future of the sport. Uh, it's a perspective that I think. Uh, would would be good if, if there were multiple uh, m- multiple bodies uh, that used to race uh, in in those conversations uh, and, and I mean there's you can you don't have to know business you don't have to know all those things I think a lot of the stuff that we need to have conversations about are things that riders are talking about and you know they they had that uh what the hell was that group that they advisory group that they've been listening to more and more and I think the more that they do that the more they realize hey it is good to have these voices in this inner circle. So I, I also applaud bringing in somebody like Brian Smith. He's got a wealth of knowledge from a rider standpoint. He's fresh off the bike. I mean, shit, he still probably rides more than uh, most people that are that are going to be working out of that office down there. So um, I think it's good. Well, I will tell you this. When he starts to go work in that office, the opportunities to ride go way down. He yeah. better hope they want him to do a lot of testing for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Because that yeah. time, that time goes away. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's going to be challenges. I'm sure. Uh, it's it's when you step into a role like that um, with with the you know without that the business and all that uh, experience, there's going to be challenges for sure. But uh, like to to the point you made, it's it's great to have somebody in that circle, in those discussions to be the liaison. Cause yeah, you know, I, I got to imagine if you're a rider or a team, um, it just, it's a lot easier, a conversation to have with a Brian Smith, right. than than some of the executives sometimes. So, um, and he can speak the talk and, and can, you know, kind of help AFT understand some of the struggles and the challenges that you have as a rider and as a team. So a little bit better. So I, I also applaud it, man. It's good to be, a lot of stuff that's on the list that he's going to have to go through and help with. Um, but I, th- I think he's definitely the person to do it. Um, so yeah, kudos to kudos to Brian, kudos to AFT for making the call and I uh, look forward to seeing um, what that, what that role pans out to be. Yeah. Well, look forward to seeing what, uh, what comes of it. Yep. So congratulations to Brian and good on, uh, good on AFT for, for making that happen. Yes, sir. Well, I don't have a whole whole lot more to talk about. You got anything new you want to talk about? I got nothing, not nothing too much uh, right now that I'm. Carter, you got nothing. No. What, what are we gonna do? You got here? something? What What are we gonna do here for the next couple of weeks? There's really not much as far as I can't imagine. There's too many more price price uh, press releases coming out. 
Now, so here's what we're doing next week, folks. Okay. And you're hearing it here instead of just on a social media deal. There you go. Next week will be the last of Ask Car Anything. The so, last one. Hit us up, whether it's on uh, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, email, uh, text, you name it. Send it to Carter. There you go. Send the questions to Carter. Ask Carter anything. Um, the first one of and last of 2022. Yep. We won't do it again. We're going to retire that show. Yes, sir. Ask Carter anything show is going to be retired. Yeah, so if there's if there's so, anything that you've ever wanted to get out there that you've been scared to, this is this is the episode to throw it out there. Throw your questions out yep. there. No no holds bar. We're going to do it live for our patrons. You'll be able to watch us. So we challenge you, our faithful listeners of they Car are. on Two Wheels, we challenge you to bring it. I love it. For They're going to bring it. I got a feeling. They're going to bring it. Good. Because <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Um, one last thing. Last week, uh talked a little bit about, we talked to speculating. Yeah. Royal Enfield, David Lloyd, and Lloyd Brothers Motorsports. Um, David uh, reached out and then informed me and brought to my attention that those guys will not, Lloyd Brothers Motorsports will not be a part of the Royal Enfield program in 2022. Hmm. And he wanted to let me know. It wasn't, you know, mean or anything about it. I mean, I, you know, made a mistake and assumed that they were going to be a part of the program. And uh, it come to find out they're not. Interesting. So, okay. Haven't heard. Uh, Who's coming in and turning the wrenches? If Johnny's going to do it on his own, if Johnny Lewis is still the rider, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we'll I'm see. I'm sure he'll still be the rider, but yeah, that'd be uh, interesting to see what what happens there. Yeah, I haven't seen any pres- official press releases on that either. So I mean, and, until you hear from it, you I mean there's nothing wrong with assuming that. I don't think, but yeah, good to know straight from uh, David's mouth. That's good stuff. Yeah. So thanks, David, for setting us straight we and listening to Car and Two Wheels. I appreciate you. That's right. That's right. Well, that's all we have, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Show number 43 from January 12, 2022. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Get your questions in. We'll see you. Peace.